Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Sorry about the delay. We had some technical difficulties trying to get on. Uh, Thank you for your patience. Uh, If you didn't catch us at the beginning, Please catch us on one of the rebroadcasts, or you can also stream us live on any of our other platforms, such as Spotify, iHeartMusic, um, uh, and the other ones that are listed on the webpage itself. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, uh, but before that, I wanted to thank, definitely thank uh, the guest last week of actually talking about retirement, uh, Gary Serak, and it was a it was a joy and wonder to keep have him on the, on the on the show to talk about you know, when is the proper way to retire? And if you missed that one, that is chock full of a lot of information. Please go back and take a look at it. Listen. And if we have any questions, uh, please hit me up on the, my new Facebook group. Um, it's the making more money for you, uh, group on Facebook. Uh, it's there to help us all communicate and, uh, get through this life together, which brings me to my guest today. I have an author, David Parker. He wrote a couple, he has a couple books out. And the one we're going to mainly focus on is income and wealth. Because, you know, as the show and the content that we are trying to, I'm trying to get out there with myself and my guests is to help better help you everybody out there have a better life and get control of their money and their finances and, and live the way you know you want to that you you've always dreamed about living. And David, uh, I know you're on the phone with us. With us, uh, thank you for being on the show. New questions. Oh, hello, David. Are you there? Yeah, hey, I just responded. You didn't hear me. I said, uh, "I'm uh, here." Sorry, <laughs> we can hear you now. Sorry about that. All right, I'll answer all your questions. I'm ready to go. All right, awesome. Uh, before we get started in answering questions and whatnot, can you give us a little bit of history and background about yourself? And and uh, actually, how, why did you decide to write about these topics in your books? Well, I was, in, to be honest, uh, I had some epiphanies when I was very young. At the age of 12, I read in the newspaper, I remember sitting at the table with my parents, and a waiter died at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco, and they discovered he was worth, at the time in the 1950s, millions of dollars. And I says, how is that possible? It seems that he had bought some stocks all during his life and never quit his job. He was happy as can be being a waiter at the St. Francis Hotel. And I thought that was, uh, the, the connection I made was there seems to be no relationship between the income he was making as a waiter and, and, the, and the wealth he acquired through investment. I had a second epiphany at the age of 14. My grandmother, I was talking to her, and they were refugees from uh, World War II, and uh, they got as far away as possible, San Francisco. And my grandmother kicked my grandfather out for the day. He says, I'm tired of you pacing the house. Go out, get a job, do something. Just, he came back at the end of the day. with He bought four movie theaters. I remember at 14 going, what? Where did you get the money to buy four movie theaters? He just got some investors to throw in, and he, he put the deal together. And I realized that's how, how it works. And as a, then my first year teaching, I was still pretty young, 22. And I was talking to the custodian. We are talking Pavarotti and French and Italian cuisine. 
Then he says, you know, I don't come in here for the money. I enjoy talking to the students in the morning and turning, turning on the heat. I own four apartment buildings. I'm just having a good time. And I says, that's it. There's no relationship between income and wealth. You can, if you have an income stream, you can really do what you want. You can be an artist. You can be a, a school teacher that doesn't pay always so well. Um, and if you open up a restaurant, that's a losing proposition. But if you really want to do it, and you don't have to worry about whether the customers are coming in or not, or having a bad year, or COVID closes you, closes you down for a while, everyone's financial goal should be, everyone's economic goal should be financial independence. And that, and that prompted me to uh, write this book. And I started to write when I was younger. My wife took a look at it and says, I think you better take a class on economics. Okay, I went to Golden Gate University. I took 60, as an adult, 50 years old or so, <laughs> I took 67 <laughs> units of math and economics. Okay, now I know what I'm talking about. And uh, I wrote the book, Income and Wealth, and one chapter that seems to be a hit, which I didn't know would be a hit, was how a minimum wage employee at McDonald's, and I have practically an Excel sheet, penny per penny, how in 10 years... They, can, they will be um, financially independent, which means whatever wage you are, you are, you will not have to work. You will have that income. And the system is you save if you know nothing about business at all. Um, you didn't do what my grandfather did, and you got investors, and you, you know nothing about that. You save half your salary, gross salary, Okay. And well, every year before, you purchase an income-producing asset with leverage. At the end of 10 years, you'll have cash flow, the loans go down, you'll have depreciation, interest write-offs, and you will be financially independent in 10 years. Okay. Well, before we get into the nuts and bolts about this, let's first describe income and wealth. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious how there is no... Uh, correlation between these and I, I would definitely want to see how you actually came up with that uh, i did read your book about it but i want to get your personal perspective on this because out there in the world we're taught we're taught many different things but first let's before we get into anything else and get any into any deeper into this subject but what is income and wealth to you and how how does how do you relate that well, to me, income is whatever salary you are, and, and I wanted to give the example of a minimum wage worker, so this, this applies to everyone. It doesn't just apply to people who have big incomes. Okay. And wealth, to me, is, uh, is uh, financial independence. Okay. If you're a doctor and you save half your salary, you'll, in 10 years you'll have an income based on what you were earning as a doctor. But if you're working in McDonald's at minimum wage, it's best if you get your wife or a spouse to do this with you. You will be financially independent at that wage. You don't have to go to work. If you can live on that minimum wage, which is pretty high in San Francisco, $15 an hour, and if you're not commuting to work, wasting two hours a day, you could just work two extra hours a time and a half. You're ready to get twenty-two fifty an hour. It's uh, all very uh, – it, it works. I give it details. Uh, a spreadsheet, how it works, penny per penny. Okay, but in your in your uh, 
can I say your observations and your equations and uh, the way you're actually specifying this is, well, if you, but you you definitely need the income to come in so you can generate the wealth. Am I correct with that? The income to make your investments. I'm not saying do anything fancy as an investor. You save half your salary. You're going to live a Spartan lifestyle for 10 years. But okay, wait. Before half- before we go any further with that, can you please describe the Spartan lifestyle? Because the, I actually, after reading your book, I actually had to look that up. And some people honestly don't have the the time or luxury to uh, to look that up, that information up. Uh, that actually took me quite a quite a know, about a couple minutes and quite a few different websites to look it up. But can you please describe the Spartan lifestyle and what that entails? Well. I thought that would be a word people understood. It means uh, living at a very at a bare minimum. At a, um, just cut your. It really means cut your expenses down. You can. Why don't you share an apartment? Why don't you share a car? Share the internet. Walk to work and save that transportation and time. A loaf of bread in San Francisco, where I live, is might be might be five dollars. But if you could buy a bag of oats for $5, you can make 50 loaves of bread. If you start thinking about it, there's just no end to how you can cut your expenses down. And you just do it for 10 years. And by purchasing an income-producing asset, you can choose something that you feel comfortable with. You can buy the house next door. Next year, buy the house next door. Next year, maybe buy a corner grocery store. Or you buy a fleet of trucks. Any asset that produces Income. Stocks don't produce income, and you can't always buy them with, with leverage. And leverage, I don't mean 100% leverage, but you put a normal down payment and get a bank loan for the balance. And those, oh. the, the rent, whatever income it is, goes up over time. You have depreciation and interest rise off, and the loans pay off. And uh, in 10 years, you are, the numbers just, it works. You have the income that you started with. Is coming is being generated by your assets. To me, that is wealth, relative wealth. It's not absolute wealth, but it's wealth. You're not working. Mm-hmm. You can do like you started your program. You said you can do what you want in life if you if you don't have to worry about the uh, income. Right, right. Uh, not worrying about what's in your bank account. Not worrying about if I can afford this or not afford that. Uh, that's right. yeah. That's the basics of an understanding about my books and my philosophy on, on this subject. And when I was approached about your book and you as a guest, and I read your book and that's, that is one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show here, because you come from a different, a way different perspective that most people don't understand or actually don't actually um, discover or uh, the word would be discover or encouraged to find out more about. Uh, it's it's more or less the path path less traveled because uh, your experience in life is way different than someone else's experience in life, and that's what I got from your books, uh, especially right. when you talk about the smart lifestyle and with leverage. Uh, when you talk about leveraging, do you talk about uh, do you mean what the leverage is actually using your mo- your money that you have stored and using that as collateral as to getting more uh, more capital to to invest with? I'm saying you, if you're on a job, and I give you the example of, a, of an employee at McDonald's who's getting a salary, and uh, 
you take half of your salary. Let's say your salary is, especially if you can, is, I don't know, 25000 a year, which is not a lot. But if you're working with your spouse or a friend, it works a little faster, a little easier. So you, say you had a salary of 50000 a year, and you just save half, 25000 bucks. Put it in the bank account, and then go purchase a simple asset, a $100,000 home. And if, it's, uh, if the homes are costing $200,000 in your area, get somebody else to go with you. Each, so you each have $100,000 worth of, of that asset every year. You, you should do, just do that. It's nothing sophisticated. I happen to be a very sophisticated investor. Um, in that sense, I'm very wealthy. And I did it as a school teacher. That's part of the reason I'm, I'm, I wrote my book. I'm telling you, the listener, can do this. I was teaching school because the two are unrelated. Whatever your salary, you save half. And put that as a down payment and borrow the rest of the bank. And not, nothing speculative, nothing wild. And it works. Okay. Now, your book, uh, when when your book was written, it was back in, what was that? I think two years ago. Oh, three years ago? Okay. Now, yeah, back in, back then. Now, how does that translate now to the inflation? Because, um, uh, because a lot of wages, and after we went through in 20, 2019 and 2020, and a lot of people are out of work at the moment, were a lot out of out of work, but when they're actually being reintroduced into the workforce, they're at a deficit now because now, now how would that same principle still work now, even though they're in a deficit of paying back bills and uh, car loans, credit card debts? Yeah, that's um, the economy is always, you know, up or down or going steady for a while. You can't, uh, make excuses. Um, you just uh, save half your salary, and whatever's left, you use to pay your debts. And if you don't have enough to pay your debts, you re- restructure those debts. Um, you just have to get out of it. We have inf- it's. You use the word inflation, and maybe most people are using the word inflation. I don't call it inflation. We have a a real demand rise in demand of supply. We know supply is being held back. A lot of Chinese factories are closed. There's a lot of backlog of uh, orders because of COVID factories were closed. And there was a lot of demand is increased because people were not working for a little while, but they may have had some income from the government or other income, and they weren't spending during COVID when they were locked down. So people have a lot of money in in their more money than they normally have in their bank accounts, and people are spending. And that demand is driving prices, and the supply is backed up, and that's driving prices even further. That's pure supply and demand, and price is a function of that. That has nothing to do with inflation. But it's true, prices are going up, so it looks like it's more difficult. But you just... Whatever cash you have, as much as you have, you purchase. Just purchase the house next door. Next year, purchase the house next door. Purchase simple things. The corner grocery, 
purchased a few trucks, go into competition with Amazon, deliver, start, start delivering stuff. Anything that you feel comfortable with that, that um, generates some income. And forget about inflation, because inflation is, if it's up, inflation will come down later. This, this whole market will self-correct. Gasoline prices were six. Then they're five. I think they're closer to four now. You can't think in those terms of, of finding an excuse why not to do it. Just don't pay off some of those debts if you have a lot of debts. Or restructure it. But don't stop the program of, of saving half your salary and investing it. Okay, uh, you're saying about restructuring. How can how can uh, this person restructure what they're doing if they're still minim- making a minimum wage, and or the the lowest base at your say McDonald's, which is now fourteen dollars an hour now, <clears throat> on average across the country, and with this supply it's and demand, probably it, less across the country. San Francisco is fifteen. It's probably more like ten or eleven across the country. Okay. San Francisco is high minimum wage, higher than most cities. But if you're a minimum wage person, you didn't borrow that much money because the bank's not going to loan you that much money. So you, and whatever, whoever made you that loan, you go back to that person or bank or institution and say, I want to restructure my debt so my, my payments are a little lower, maybe make the debt a little longer over time and maybe lower the interest rate for for a few years and raise the interest rate a little bit later to make up for it. Be a little bit creative, I guess, but uh, or find a way to to get out of paying for a year or two while you have your little program going. Um, and maybe do it with a partner. It might make it easier. But get, well, get your costs down. If you have some debts, get your costs down even more. Share with instead of sharing an apartment with one person, share an apartment with two people, and get rid of your car, and uh, don't eat out in restaurants, and walk to work. Don't pay for transportation, and if you're walking, you don't have to. You're not commuting anymore. You're not wasting time. Take those two extra hours that you commuted and work at time and a half. Um, there's no end to how. Uh, just get, just start thinking about it. And don't make an excuse. Restructure your debt. Do whatever, do whatever you have to do to save half that salary and plunk that down on an income-producing asset every year for 10 years. Not for your whole life, for 10 years. And you're through. You're independently, you have financial independence. That's exactly what you're talking about. That's what everyone's goal should be. Okay. You can do what you want in life. And you're not worried about the money. Okay. Well, that is definitely interesting right there, David, especially <laughs> since we're talking about uh, their, the non-correlation between income and wealth. Uh, we talked about you know even working on minimum wage and how to save for that, uh, how much to put away and how much to actually keep for up to t- 10 years and then you know investing in assets and whatnot. So with that being yeah, said, we're actually- buy my book because I do explain in detail. They may say, okay, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. And they and they'll start and, they'll, and maybe they'll do it. Okay. And I know what I'm talking about because I told you I was a school teacher my whole life, and I made a fortune because they're unconnected. Hmm. Okay. Income and well, wealth is what I mean. Income and wealth definitely in, in 
in this philosophy is, uh, and in your book, you specified that we were talking a little bit about that. Now uh, we do have to take a quick break, David, uh, for commercials, but we're going to come back afterwards and we're going to definitely dig more into the back, back chapters of your, of your book here and some more right. I- ideals that you have about how you've done it. And we're going to go from there, but thank you everybody for tuning in for right now. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back and uh, with my guest, David Parker. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Thank you for tuning in. If you missed the first part of the show, we are talking about income and wealth and how there is no correlation with them. And we're talking, we're going through this observation with uh, the author, David Parker, and his book, Income and Wealth. And we're going over some of the details and things that he's seen throughout his life uh, as a teacher, as an investor, and as an author itself. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm enjoying awesome. this conversation with you. Oh, excellent. I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying it because you know, you have a very unique perspective on this on investing and how to save money and on the on the back end of it is the end result is becoming wealthy and not having to worry about where your money's coming from. And that's Correct. why one of the main things that when I read your book, I definitely wanted to have you on the show and I believe the content that you're showing out here would would actually stir a lot of conversations up uh, all around the world because that's what we're doing right now. We're going all around the world with this information. And if anybody out there has any questions for David or for me or any of the subjects that we're covering here, please dial in at one 472 5789 
That's one eight six six four seven two five seven eight nine. Uh, but so David, we we covered you know some of the basics about living on, living on, uh, minimum wage and the difference between minimum wage, and a lot of that's determined by our demographics. Uh, the culture and what we're actually used to, and along with the the supply and demand, if you will, uh, of workers. Am I correct on that? Yes. Oh, excellent, excellent. So we're on the same page about that. Uh, now you worked. We were over the break. We were talking about the timeless laws of money, and I'm kind of curious on what your take on some of those are, and what some of them actually are. So our our listeners here can actually go research in and find out if it actually will apply to their lives. Uh, well, you, you know, you brought up a, a question earlier about inflation, and I said it really isn't inflation. It's pure demand that's much higher post-COVID, and it's pure supply that's much l- lower, which is a, a function of COVID also. So that's not inflation. That's genuine demand and, uh, and genuine increase, rise in price. Um, and so you were saying, well, maybe p- people have debt because of COVID and they can't go on. They can't do my program. They can't save any money because they have, they're paying debts and they're paying, they have expenses. And I'm saying all these things are timeless. Everyone, every, every year, someone has a really good reason why they can't save half their salary. Maybe they have a sick parent. I mean, really genuine, really good reasons. You just have to, um, if you want to do this, you have to, be ser- you have to be serious, and you have to save half your salary. That's one thing, because this is a timeless uh, approach to wealth. And then there's timeless laws of money and economics. You know, interest rates, historically, for the last 6,000 years, from the days of Babylon, are about 1% to 2% for savings. There's no mystery. And in fact, we know that banks have been paying 0.1% for the last four or five or six years. Or for that, since the financial crisis of 2008, interest rates have been really low and people have been buying homes. And mortgage interest rate, mortgage rates are historically two to three. And that's what they've been for the last 10 years. You could buy a home with a 3% interest loan. The Fed is raising rates now. They're not raising them that much, maybe 1% or 2% at the most. So you're going to pay a 4% now for a home instead of 3 or 2.5%. But these things are timeless. And then there's the rate of return on venture capital, money that's really at risk. And that's about 3 to 5% historically. I'm in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and that's a big center of venture capital Sand Hill Road is the famous road in uh, in Palo Alto, and they they will fund a hundred, two, three hundred ideas, in, uh, startup companies, and they know that ninety nine percent are going to fail, and they do it anyway because you don't know if you, if you can't predict which one is going to make it, and the one that makes it makes it really big, and they'll make it much much more than that ninety nine percent of loss. So it's pure numbers. These things are timeless. Uh, and so you don't have to... Uh, um, it's just knowing that it gives you some confidence that you just go ahead and purchase a 
the house next door. <laughs> that's what I like to say. <laughs> don't ask questions. If 10 people want to pay this much for it, that's what it's worth. You don't have to bargain. Just buy it. 10 years from now, if you pay 10% too much for that house next door, it won't make any difference. It, it's, uh, the house will have gone up much more. So I'm trying to, I give some, uh, some discussion of the timeless laws. Other timeless laws for money is in a competitive market economy like the U.S., profit is zero. Because the minute a firm is, uh, or a stock, for example, is doing really well, professional brokers or professional investors jump in and buy that stock, and it brings the profit right back down to zero. It's like driving on a, in the, in the, on a freeway, and, and there's four lanes of traffic is backed up, the car's not moving. And all of a sudden, one lane starts to move, and, and everybody jumps into that lane that's moving. But everybody jumps at the same time, and in five seconds, that lane isn't moving anymore because the profit was zero. There was no reason to change lanes. No, yep. People who are making big money are making our, our, that's entrepreneurial compensation. Big CEOs are making $100 million a year, or athletes are making $100 million. That's just pure, they're making a percent of the profit of that, of that business. The business might be making, or, or the percent of the income of that business. That business may not be making any money, but it's generating, uh, any profit, excuse me, but it's generating a lot of income, and everybody, even nonprofits, so that's a phony thing too. Those, that, those CEOs and nonprofits are making huge salaries. Everyone's just taking that profit in terms of the salary. And so okay. people who advocate for socialism or Marxism, that's the big mistake. There is no profit to redistribute to the workers. So it was a mistake to do it. So these okay. are timeless laws. That's what I talk about in the in the second part of my book. Okay. We'll get to that the second part and politics and all that stuff in a second. Now, with everybody jumping on ships and going in different lanes and whatnot, what about everybody jumping ship in the real world and and now investing in cryptocurrency, digital markets? How is that? I would, I don't that do is I actually no one of the things here. And if I have no understanding, a person who knows something, that's enough for me. I'm not even going to look at it. I don't want to know. Okay. But even though, now how, now with that being said, you don't want to know about it or whatnot, but people are putting harder money in there that is in this ecosystem of economics and taking it out of it and putting it into another system. How does that reflect on the current economy that we're in? I think it's a mistake. When I talk about timeless laws of business and money and economics, timeless rates of return, timeless profit, timeless... That's not... Cryptocurrency is not in there. There's no historic precedence for it. No. Um, and uh, if it's usually good ideas are, are have been around for a long time. We have secondary markets, you know. When you when you when you buy a home, you get a mortgage. The bank loans you the money. The bank sells that mortgage to Fannie Mae. Mm -hmm. That's the secondary market, and they get their money back. Then they can make another loan to somebody. Right. That is a time that doesn't. That's not a new phenomenon. 
in the, I mentioned Babylon before, like 6,000 years ago, they had clay tablets, and they marked off people's properties, and they wrote down the, law, the boundaries. This is my property, and they filed those clay tablets in a big, um, a big hut or, <laughs> or a big mound someplace. But then you could, you could borrow against your property. Here's my property, and here's the clay tablet in that mound over there. They're holding like a library for me. And, and people borrowed against their, their property, and then the person who uh, um, got that mortgage sold that mortgage just like to Fannie Mae. To somebody else, those things were sellable right off the bat. Collateralized mortgages, 6,000 years ago. No, but the notion of cryptocurrency, there's no precedent for it. So I would be aware of jumping into something for which there's no history. Okay. Well, we're actually making history now with it, so I can't wait to see in the next couple of years what actually happens because it's very <laughs> unwritten. <laughs> I can wait because you, I'm, not, I'm not invested in it. Okay. Well, that's that's one of the best things that there's choices for that. But we did you did talk <laughs> about a lot of uh, another subject that was that I would love to talk about in the last couple moments of, of the show here is the redistribution of income. And in your book here, uh, I'm going to quote it word for word, is the, ten, is the com Communist Manifesto spells out 10 points for a communist revolution. And that, this is in your book. And, mm -hmm. a lot, and after talking about all of these things, uh, I'm going to pick one out. Uh, one right here is impose a heavily graduated income tax. Doesn't that sound familiar of what, are, what is happening right now with all of us? No, let me stop you right there. I wanted to show the readers what communism is. Here's what it's kind of what it's about. And that if you look at it now, we have a, enough time has gone by. People have experienced and seen how communism works. You can see how dumb it is. I wanted, I wanted people to say, here it is. This is what you've been advocating if you've been advocating communism or socialism or redistribution of the wealth. It doesn't work. And when you see it written down, this was 1848. Now we have 150 years of experience since then, um, or whatever it is. Yeah, um, it's obvious this is not a good idea. I want readers to, to see how, how dumb it was. So I'm not advocating redistribution of the wealth. It was supposed to be, oh, that's not a good idea. That was supposed to be your response. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, that's that will makes this this in, uh, dialogue interesting because one person's outlook on things is de definitely different from another person's outlook. Yeah, okay, and, and, and maybe I, I'm assuming too much. Maybe people didn't didn't grasp that right away. Very good point. So thank you. Oh yes, most definitely, because a lot of this that we're talking about in your book right here is actually happening in the United States right now, and with the, with what you specified in this book is actually, you know, has a direct impact on all of our lives, how we spend our money, how we actually interact with everybody, how we actually earn, earn a wage, uh, earn an income now, but not wealth and how we actually get from point A to point B of, of transforming that income into assets that will actually generate the wealth for later on in life. Right. And I'm also writing 
especially in my second book, but it, they really overlap. They both, they both say the same, some, of the, some of the same thing, is that um, all progressive programs, the war on poverty, for example, is really paid for by the working middle class. It's not paid for by the rich. It's not coming from redistribution of the wealth. It's not coming from the poor because they're not paying tax, and the rich aren't paying tax. And people think tax the rich, and, we'll, and, and they have so much money and will make a lot of people better off. But you can't tax the rich, so you should stop thinking in those terms. The rich have exactly what I've described in my income and wealth. They have income-producing assets. And whenever the income gets too high, they go borrow against it. And all of a sudden, they're showing no income because they're paying interest on the loan. And they have depreciation write-offs on those income-producing assets. They, they, the rich always show zero income. You can't tax the rich and stop doing that. I think Bezos, for example, hasn't paid tax in 20 years. And Apple Computer... Is uh, right. has a beautiful space station for a headquarters. That's not their headquarters. Apple's computer is headquartered in Ireland. They moved out of the United States, and all their money, which is at least $200 billion, is parked on a, a tax haven, Jersey Island, in the English Channel. You can't get it. And when one, of the, one of the things Donald Trump did when he, when he became president... One of the first things he did, maybe one of the best things he did, is he lowered the income the corporate tax rate from 39% to 25% or some number. Right. He says, but in exchange, Apple and Bezos and all you guys, you bring that money back to this country. Mm-hmm. You, you're, and uh, that's in exchange for me lowering the tax rate like that. And they brought some of it back. But, but in general, you can't tax the rich. You can't redistribute money and stop talking their way. Everything is paid by the hard-working middle class. And if you remove all these government programs, the middle class will have maybe twice the salary they're earning right now. It's all going to government waste, plus it's being paid for by borrowing on top of that now. So we're in a bad condition economically in the nation. We're not going to go down because we're such a rich country, but a poor country would go broke. uh, You're right about that because the money that was spent just recently that could have actually been helped to help the the Americans have gone out has gone elsewhere, and we're getting taxed higher. Mentioned fraud, (laughs) yeah. Oh yeah, that that as well. That that's well, that is up for the law to decide what is that, but. Then again, that could be rewritten as well. No, I mean, even the money for the COVID, some of those, there's been articles, people have been siphoning that money from government that's supposed to be going to make genuine payments for people who who need it. That's been fraudulently uh, stolen. Government should be solving our problems because it's open, it leaves the country open for, for, for corruption and for fraud that wouldn't exist otherwise. And the cost of everything, healthcare is probably three or four times what it should be, what it was before Medicare came in, for example. Get the government out of, out of, the, out of the economy and prices will drop in half. I, people will be richer. I agree with that. It was better before they got involved. And I agree if they get back out of it. But 
then again, their hands are in it. They're getting their money out of it. They're getting their cuts, and they're not going to uh, unless something drastic happens. But, a lot of people are making money on government programs, so <laughs> they're not going to they're not going to go down too quickly. No, I agree, and they won't go down without a fight, and that's why, <laughs> right? My the listeners here and whatnot are actually doing their best so they can actually have a better quality life, uh, whether it's here like in the present right now by budgeting and spending better and learning how to actually take accountability for your actions and for that better tomorrow. And that's one of the reasons right. that's why one of my messages in my um, San Francisco conservative, which is a very interesting book, a classical discussion of classical conservatives, not Republican or right wing politics, just a classical view of what conservative thought is which is basically not be so fast to tear things down, not be so fast to tax people to solve problems. Um, so people might enjoy that book also. Okay. We're, I think we're in agreement on most stuff that I'm saying, which is kind of nice. Yes, absolutely, because I, I agree. Uh, even though we're not directly agreeing on everything, there's bits and pieces that every that are mutual all around that people can actually take and make because everybody's life is different and everybody's situation is different. They take bits and pieces here to, you know, gather what they want and give them the knowledge. And that's why even in my books, the making more money for you now books, that is what it is, is getting the information out there because the information is not supposed to be out there for, for the people. They want the, they want everybody to keep working, keep doing what they're doing. And that's it. Instead of having a better tomorrow, it's more or less, okay, I'm going to work this day, this day, this day, this day for the next 30 years, and this is what I'm going to do. And things are starting to change with that. Not impossible to get one. You're providing it, and I'm providing it, and other people are providing it. And and it's also timeless, which is one of my main messages. So if you look a little bit and make an effort to improve your life, you really can. That's what I'm saying, and you're saying. Absolutely. Anybody can take the... But they're the person that's themselves have to take ownership of it, and that's what that's you're it. saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that is definitely uh, we're not preaching it, but it, it's a starting point. The hardest so part nation, is the starting point. The success of this nation, especially before Franklin Roosevelt, you could say, was that it's we are Jeffersonian uh, democracy. Jefferson says people, citizens. They really do and can think for themselves. So we're going to have a government that's so small you can hardly see it. And in exchange, we're going to provide maximum individual freedom, but you're going to, but you're going to have to have maximum individual responsibility. That's the trade-off. And there's nothing for freedom isn't free. No. You're right. You have you and you said it. Responsibility is what's missing, and but that's what this nation was based on. And it was pretty successful, so it, we know it works. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, we're actually running low on time. I can't believe it. We have like a couple minutes left, four or five minutes left already, David. And the uh, even with our technical difficulties in the beginning, the extra four or five minutes, this conversation has streamlined and has gone from point A to point double Z. And, and <laughs> the transition yes. actually yes. has been has been a great conversation. And I definitely... Yes. <laughs> you yeah, uh, ask the right questions so you get the right answers. Well, for me, you're right. That's half. That's half the. That's one half of the battle is knowing what you want to find out, and the second half is 
you know, the answers, if you, whether you like them or you don't like them, <laughs> it's the answer that you're given. Uh, what you, what the person does with it is totally on them. But I want to take a couple minutes. Timeless answers. So hopefully there, there's not a lot of disagreement. There might be disagreement how we go about getting it to work. But I'm trying to save timeless things. People can say, yes, that sounds true. That's what I'm hoping people respond. And then they go out and do it. Yes. Uh, even not, or, or if it br- brings it out to have a good conversation about it and, and learn in the process of doing it. That's one of the main things well, that, uh, yeah, that can come, that can come from this. Right. Okay. Uh, David, I want to thank you so much. We only have a couple minutes left. Your books are, you know, they're definitely an interesting read. I'm not going to lie. And it makes you definitely made me think about a lot of things. And even though in this very short time that we had together, we got some of it out. Uh, I would yeah. like to take a moment here and let you, uh, let the listeners find out where to find you and how to contact you or how to actually find your books. You want to take a couple yeah, minutes and tell us how we can do that. Well, the one interesting way would be to go to davidparkeressays.com and you can purchase both of my books there and you can read a few sample essays, a few sample letters to the letter to the editor that have been printed in the economist and in the financial times that are pretty interesting I'm also uh, a well-known uh, jazz musician. Dave Parker Sextet is a sample of my of my band. We headlined the Fillmore, San Francisco Fillmore Jazz Festival two years in a row. We didn't talk about that. It's another aspect <laughs> of my life. And or you can go very simply Amazon, book David Parker, and they'll both pop up, or, or, or name the book Income and Wealth: uh, A San Francisco Conservative. They're not very expensive, and readers will learn a lot. Oh, awesome, David. I, I want to definitely thank you for this. Uh, I'm hoping to have a great conversation in the Facebook group, uh, the Making More Money for You Facebook group out there. Uh, I'm definitely going to have this information out on my YouTube channel. I'll definitely get copies to you for you. Uh, okay. And I definitely want to thank you uh, for your time and, and your knowledge okay. on the subject. Very good. Okay. And if I go, well, so this is going to be broadcast later or it's being broadcast live? It's both. It's going to be both. So it'll be on Voice America and it's going to be on Spotify and all the other syndications that we have out there, including iHeartRadio and five or six other ones. Okay. So it'll be out there. I'll send that over to you. Uh, everybody, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure having David Parker and talking about income and wealth and his other a little bit of his other book, The San Francisco Conservative. Uh, Please get out there, live life, save some money, and you know enjoy what what today has for you. Uh, next week we'll have a brand new show, and uh, we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna call it a day for today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio.